Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, our guest, Cola Escola, talks all about their celebrated career, which has spanned decades at this point. We talk about their humble beginnings on webcams all the way up to today, where they're working with the greats, such as Amy Sedaris and others. <laughs> Honestly, though, Cole and I just sit here for an hour and and talk about life, and it's really cute and sweet. So hunker down and sink in to some new hijinks. Forever. Dog. everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by Poet Laureate, Nobel Peace Prize winner, psychic, and the most followed person on TikTok. It's Cola Scola. Hi, Cole. Hi, Jinx. Thank you. You said it perfect. Now, um, that intro was a mm-hmm. fountain of lies written by my producer. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if any of those things are... Are you a psychic? Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> Wonderful answer. Yeah. Leave it open. Um, but in all seriousness, you're an actor, a comedian, and a queer icon. Cola Scola, I have followed your work for so long... Um, we've only crossed paths once in Australia. In Australia. But actually, that's not true. Because, well, you, there's no way you would remember this. But oh, no. you, like. Oh, no. Uh, Typically, were, when someone says that, it means it was a blackout. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't think, I don't even think um, we were so young. You were the first, we were at um, the escape Oh my gosh, that's uh, formerly right, because you grew up in Oregon as I grew well. up in Oregon, yeah. Jesus That Christ. underage gay club. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, I was maybe 17, so which means you were 51. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think you were, yeah, we're the same age, so you must have yeah. been. And, and I think you were the so first was... drag queen that I ever saw in real life. Um, that's true for... Quite a handful of people who lived mm-hmm. in Oregon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, for for our listeners, um, the Escape, aka Club Z, aka the City Nightclub, aka Misfits, at one point, oh. um, was an all ages queer dance club here in Portland, Oregon. In the eighties, it had a reputation um, not just in the queer community, but um, hip straight people used to go there too. Um, it's always been an all ages dance club, and one of mm-hmm. the biggest privileges um, I had growing up in Portland was to have a queer dance club as a as a gay teenager. <laughs> yeah, and you were the star. You were the star. I mean. Kind of by force. I really just took that place over. <laughs> I, well, but I, I just remember um, going in there and, and seeing you walk in and everyone. It was like, you know, Mame or like just like everyone 
was like, jinx. You know? And of course, we were underage. So it was like, water's on me, everybody. <laughs> Help yourself to an Arizona iced tea. Yeah. Uh, I, and now I'm just imagining the musical number of... <laughs> Me walking into the club and my friends would go with me and they'd actually go to dance. You know, they'd be um, sneaking drinks in the parking lot. I literally just went to work the work the door line. Mm -hmm. I would stand outside holding court in the door line and then I'd put on the drag show and I didn't dance one bit at that dance club. (laughs) You refused. Oh, because you were a Mormon at the time. I forgot. Exactly. (laughs) And we didn't have the balloons to hold in between me and my dance partner. Yeah. Um, But Um, besides that, besides besides that, that, I've been following your career. Oh, well, I'll get to that in a second. I'll I'll get to the the time I remember in a moment. But let (laughs) me give you a little bit of an introduction. Um, You uh, most recently have appeared on countless shows, um, not limited to, but including Mm -hmm. Search Party at home with Amy Sedaris Check. and a few pop-ups on Z-Way on Showtime, which mm-hmm. is an amazing show. I also um, clocked every moment you were in um, the characters. Both oh. in the, um, no, it was the John Early episode. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, you have such a, uh, a distinguished face. You have Betty Thank Davis you. eyes and an otherwise, you know, just baby face. Uh, <laughs> And you're a transformative actor and comedian, but I always see those eyes open up and it's like, it's Cola Scola just dressed as Lisa Loeb for some reason, you know? Yes. Yeah. Lisa Loeb. My my first original character. Lisa Loeb was the it first was character cool the I ever whole did. Time. It was. Sorry. Um, and then... All the way back before all of this recent success, you also had a show on Logo um, with longtime uh, collaborator mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey Self called Jeffrey and Cole Casserole, yeah. which was an amazing sketch show because it was entirely filmed on a webcam. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it was just the two of you doing sketches in in, in his someone's bedroom. New York apartment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Truly, like with his roommates in the other room, or we would use their rooms while they were at work and hope that they didn't see it <laughs> and know I that we were in their rooms. Every episode of Jeffrey and Cold Casserole, oh, and I also all watched <laughs> yeah, all twelve of them. I also watched all of the um, uh, VGL Gay Boys on YouTube, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which predates Jeffrey and Cold Casserole. I was yeah. a huge fan of your work. Tell me. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this journey from webcam TV shows to working alongside Amy Sedaris. I mean, like... you you basically you summed it up. <laughs> that's the that's the timeline from YouTube to logo, and then um, ten years of hardship and clawing my way into the mainstream, the outskirts of the mainstream, and um, now here I am. Just clinging to the outside of Afghan, yeah, (laughs) in New York City of all places. Yeah, what caused that that jump from being very independent and um, DIY? Who who first saw you? Was it just you know you grinded, grinded, ground away at it? 
<laughs> grindered. I grindered away. <laughs> also works. Also, I re- I'm most um, curious just to mm-hmm. know, like, how did it, how did it come about you being um, a recurring character on At Home with Amy Sedaris and holding your own against one of like the living comedy legends of our of our generation (laughs) yeah i um i don't i don't know why she let me do that but she (laughs) um i I met her doing difficult people um Mm -hmm. we had like one scene together and i was like you know i worshipped her and so i was like this is my chance. Like, so I improvised something different every take because I really mm-hmm. wanted to like make her laugh mm-hmm. and um, it worked. And uh, then she and, and the writers on her show wrote a character for me. And then I ended up in the writer's room also. So I got to spend lots and lots of time with her. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget the name of your character. Her name's because... Chassie. Chassie. Chassie, yeah. And what's her last name? Tucker. Chassie Tucker. Chassie Tucker. Mm-hmm. Gayla has a uh, my collaborator, yeah. um, Bendela Krem, has a has another drag persona called Kissy Simmons. And I always <laughs> think your character's name is Kissy Simmons, but it's not. It's Chassie are, Tucker. They're in the same family. <laughs> Kissy Simmons and Chassie Tucker. They are, th- those sound like um, bad, bad people that know each other. <laughs> They're bad people who know yeah. each other. Yeah. I, I have to say, you are remarkable in the fact that um, you play quite a, quite a barrage of female and femme characters with minimal makeup. But completely believably, <laughs> you know, that like I so have to sweet. really slather on the grease paint. I have to. I don't know if I would face. say that you have to do that. <laughs> you, I mean, you read pretty femme right now. Well, with I mean, what? What do you have? Can't just, hide it. Just my little clear frame glasses. Just a, lip. a little, a little yeah. tinted moisturizer. Yeah. Listen, but it's it's amazing how authentically you read as your as your femme personas like um i don't want to say understated because that makes it sound like you're not working hard because (laughs) (laughs) but but you i don't know you bring a subtlety an earnestness and um like a i don't know chill vibe to femme personas that not a lot of that not a lot of drag performers That's do <laughs> so um i'm i'm flattered and i'm i'm embarrassed <laughs> embarrassed how i don't know like I, I just don't like um you know when you get a compliment you want to hide yeah. under a rock i'm and I'm then think about it later compliments sure yeah. it's it's what is that about what's that about well what's, what's your the, sign i'm a sagittarius Virgo rising or no Virgo moon. That's it. It's your Virgo. It's my Virgo moon. I'm just making wild (laughs) hypotheses here. I'm a Virgo, so I'm just trying to say like anything you have in common with me must be because it must be the Virgo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not because we're the same age and grew up in the same state. No. Um, Where in Oregon did you grow up? Uh, A town called Klatskanai. Very rural. It's um, (laughs) yeah, it's a mill town. Well, yeah, and I, I try to explain this to people not from um, Oregon, 
Oregon is a very it's like huge. It's a huge it's a, state. It's a huge state. And then you got Portland, this metropolitan epicenter that everyone now knows about thanks to Portlandia. And then the rest of the state is just like is red state. lumber, yeah, farming, yeah, rural country. <laughs> yeah. I, but I, Portland is I grew so up with a lot of people populated. that had a lot of um <laughs> that had um like southern accents. Even though Me too. Yeah. It, All the drag queens the from the from the surrounding cities come yeah. into Portland and somehow have it's not quite southern, but it's, it's, it's certainly it's like not. a drawl. It's it's, it's a like draw. a yeah. It's very <laughs> it's very slight, but it's still like what it like are you lying? Like what is that? <laughs> like I never uh, yeah. It's just uh, the proximity to tractors and, and lumber mills. Just, yeah. Did you have a dialect you had to neutralize when you started working in the biz? No, I think um, <laughs> I think I always grew up. You know, I we call it pop over there, but I always mm-hmm. called it soda to sort of like <laughs> separate myself. Like, no, I'm. You know, so I always went out of my way to pronounce things um, more pretentiously. And now I just fit in where I am. But, yeah. I completely hear that. I've been hypothesizing for a while. Hypothesis is the word of the day, apparently. Um, I've been hypothesizing for a while that queer people who grew up, who who are growing up outside of the metropolitan cities near them, um, have a tendency to affect their speech and their Mm -hmm. dialects to sound more like the city that they are eventually going to move to. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I can't wait to read your um, thesis on this. <laughs> My thesis on, yeah. I'll look for it. Dialects in, uh, and, and Virgo tendencies. TV guide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would um, love that if you had like a scientific column and TV guide every, every week. You know, every year I think I know exactly what my career is. And then someone throws some, some curveball at me and I'm like I guess I do this now too yeah (laughs) let's talk about the first time we met that I remember Mm -hmm. this is in Australia yeah Um, we both had live shows there and it was it was hilarious that like following your career, following this queer icon Cola Scola for so much of my life, and then it took being in Australia for us to meet each Sydney. other. Sydney, yeah. <laughs> and um, my favorite part of our, our our first time meeting is I actually worked this as a joke into one of my shows. Um, we were talking about douching on the road. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, I rem- I mean, I don't remember the conversation, but I know that it was a big issue then because I had to walk. <laughs> they don't have like fleet enemas. They don't no, have like don't. disposable enema, or they didn't. Any of the like drug stores I went, <laughs> grocery stores, I had to go to a sex shop just to get a a, a douche, and so um, which is fine, but it was just you know like like an an extra you know two miles. Out of Just my way. another way we're we're spoiled in I, America. <laughs> people Just, don't realize that our access to um, disposable enemas is such a privilege. In this it's country. such a privilege. Yeah, but um, I did tell you 
a life hack. She's a water bottle? I had to learn on the, yes, a water bottle. I think I said Coke bottle. Um, But the point is, you know, I was talking about, you know, filling a squeezable plastic bottle with water as a makeshift enema. Yeah. And you said, I don't think I could get the the top part of a water bottle in my ass to do that. And I said, yeah. if you can't fit the top part of a water bottle into your ass, then what are you going to do with a human-sized <laughs> dick? So- <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> and You're you know right. <laughs> and I'm still a virgin. Uh- <laughs> but I remember Jeffrey was with me and he... Mm-hmm. I walked all the way to the sex shop and I got, I bought an enema. I still have it to this day. It's, <laughs> it's probably the object I've had the longest in my whole life is that um, <laughs> douche bulb from Sydney, Australia. But he, he tried using a water bottle and it, he said it just made a big mess everywhere. <laughs> so then he asked to use mine. Um, Was that a level of intimacy? In your friendship? It was. It was. And so <laughs> the only... Uh, he said that he would buy me a new one if I let him use mine. Because I don't know. Like, I would even share a toothbrush. But I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe now I would be more comfortable sharing a, 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 a an enema with somebody. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, call in. <laughs> One eight seven seven cars for kids. Two questions come to my mind. Mm-hmm. How did Jeffrey make such a mess? Like, what's up with Jeffrey's butt that yeah. like he couldn't do it? I think probably or, too loose. <laughs> my thought is, what's wrong with my butt that I can do it so easily? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's let's just move like, off of that topic. Oh no, are you sure? Oh no, no, finish, finish us out. Well, yeah. here's my <laughs> hypothesis. It's just like such a, a it. it I bet he was just like bad. It was bad aim, <laughs> you know. And I bet he wasn't relaxed enough, so it was just like squirting everywhere <laughs> before it got in. I don't mean the enema water like exiting. By the way, do we need do we need to get Jeffrey's permission to no, <laughs> include this section of the not at all podcast? Um, early in your work, you were working heavily with Jeffrey Self, um, mm-hmm. who who's also had a decorated career as an actor and comedian. Do, do you two still collaborate a lot to, to this day? You know, we didn't for a long time, but we're actually collaborating on two different things right now. Like, um, I'm developing um, an animated show that he's been helping me with, oh, and wow. he's been uh, he's writing a, a script for a streaming service that I don't know if I'm allowed to say <laughs> um but I've been helping him with that so um yeah we're getting the band back together <laughs> well um I don't know if you know this but I've done a lot of voiceover work and I'm always looking for more yeah so when it gets to that point you know if I need an old um, see which yeah <laughs> listen I do lots of voices okay I know I know but see which Little... is just the go-to <laughs> <laughs> You've been out your um, entire professional career, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. And that, like, goes back to at least a decade now at this point. Over. And 10 years ago, it, yeah. over 10 years ago, it was not as easy to begin your career out. You know, lots of people yeah. who were so clearly gay still kept up this idea that, you know, 
they're a straight cis uh, yeah. hetero person just yeah. because it could be a death sentence to their professional careers. Yeah. What's it been like for you to be really a trailblazer and a queer icon as, as long as you've been in the public eye? Oh, God. I, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's been wonderful to be able to open doors for all these children and uh, <laughs> have them owe me everything. No, um, I... I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. Like, I just, there was no other option. There was no yeah. way that I was ever going to, like, <laughs> pass as a, and I didn't want to. Um, uh, but yeah, you're right. It is, it, it has happened fast. Like, I remember um, even Sean Hayes, like, having to, um, like, during the time of Will and Grace, it was like, is he gay? Is he straight? It was like, he had to like come out. It couldn't just be like, isn't it obvious? Isn't um, it obvious? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but to answer your question, I have no idea. <laughs> no have idea. you faced any specific difficulties in your I career? I don't think that I've faced any. Well, I think that there is a big difference between a queer point of view and a queer perspective and a story about a queer person. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's still hard to get queer stories made or stories from a queer perspective about things that aren't um, coming out or yeah. um, like everything has to be for the straight audience, you know, yeah. like with a straight audience in mind. So everything has to like sort of, I feel like a lot of shows from any um, marginalized artist, like a queer person, a black person, whatever um, it their their work has to almost explain themselves or justify why they are like allowed to be alive <laughs> like yeah like he, it's like, a lot of uh, we, you want to see a lot show? of crash courses yes, a lot of exactly. like introduction to yeah and at this point i'm like haven't we seen enough coming out stories i do yeah. think we're getting to a point where it can be more nuanced you know um i had the I privilege so. of working on uh the movie uh happiest season mm -hmm. which was by written by a queer person directed by a queer person starring queer people and the story was very much a coming out story but not tinged with the same level of tragedy that we've been conditioned to assume right. goes with every coming out story yeah i mean my coming out story is kind of boring because of how how nonplussed my family was about it you know, I know. there was never they they were less concerned with whether or not i was queer and just kind of trying to bet on when I'd come out about it. You know? <laughs> Who won the bet? I think my grandma. <laughs> it's always the she... grandma. It's always the grandma. <laughs> I think she knew I'd come out before college. Yeah. I came out very early. And yeah. like you said, there was just no other option. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I did have a couple girlfriends in middle school, mm -hmm. but... First makeout party I went to, I was like, oh, I yeah. don't know how many more of these I can do. <laughs> I think I, I kissed one girl and I was like, oh, God, I, uh, I, I can't. 
I can't do that. <laughs> and um, it wasn't her. It wasn't like the act of kissing. A, like now I could do it and, and sure, I'm, I'm sure I could get into it and have fun. It was like the pressure I felt like now you're kissing. Now you have to have sex with her. Yeah. And I was like, I can't. I don't know. Um, well, I think yeah. also, you know, just with the way our community has evolved, the way society has evolved, the way we evolve as we age, I very much felt like a gay boy as mm-hmm. a teenager. Yeah. And very much was your typical gay boy, like I'm attracted to other gay boys. Yes. Now at 33, I'm a trans femme non-binary person who's attracted to basically everyone Everything. Uh, not yeah. not really cishet women, but, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say never because right. every once in a while I end up in one of those threesomes with a married <laughs> couple and it's like, here I am licking pussy. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I hear you. I never thought I would ever fist someone. And <laughs> I, there has not, there've now been two people that I've fisted. And it's not something that I would. In porn, it makes me squeamish, but mm-hmm. in person, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, they, <laughs> they are loving this. It's also like, when your fist is inside someone, you're like, oh, my cock was never going to be enough. Like, <laughs> like, ooh, how embarrassing for me. Like, I'm glad I can help this way then. You know? For, yeah, I find I found myself doing all kinds of things where I was like, I'm not really into this, but seeing the other person. Yeah, you would be, be so surprised into how many things you'll do just because it's actually really hot in the moment. Yeah. 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 And then and then you get off and then you sit there and want to puke because you have the. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that I, reaction. I am definitely one of those. Not yet. <laughs> no, I'm not puking because of the other person, but I am definitely one of those people where as soon right, right. as the orgasm happens, I'm like, what did I just do? Like alone in my bed. I'm 33 oh, 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 years oh, oh, old, I know. I jacking know. off alone in my bed. And the second I get off and I'm like. Oh my god! <laughs> like, I feel that I'm way. Disgusting. I only feel that way about the time that I've spent. I'm like, <laughs> I I'll come the second I come, I go, oh my god! I spent two hours. I literally <laughs> spent two hours looking for that three minute video. <laughs> all for this videos for this scrolling mess. ahead. <laughs> yeah, scrolling ahead, mm. saving. <laughs> adding to adding to a playlist for late like and and I'm like oh my god I could have done I could have done my dishes for once and uh, very it's a nightmare pragmatic. I want to see that in a uh you know in love Simon you know <laughs> I want to see him shame spiral about how much time he spent looking for the right clip the perfect yeah stepbrother um Cole, you also identify as a non-binary person and yeah. you use they them pronouns you identify as queer do you think these identities find their way into your work is it a conscious thing do you do you make sure to infuse your certain um joie de vivre and je ne sais quoi into your work as a queer non-binary person i feel like um the term non-binary and using they them pronouns are more like a clarification than like Mm -hmm. a new identity sort of just like this is who I've always been and now that Mm -hmm. there's language 
now that I'm aware of this language for it, I shouldn't say now that it, because it's not new, obviously <laughs> third and fourth, fifth, sixth genders have existed for a bajillion years, but. <laughs> Literally when, a bajillion, that's in a my bajillion. notes. Yeah, yeah, I see that right there in your, in your TV guide. Doc. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, uh, I guess it always, it sort of bothered, it used to bother me when people would be like, um, oh, that's a dude. Like it's like <laughs> as if as if the joke was that I was a, a guy playing a girl when that mm. was that's never been my intention. Like when I play characters, I'm like, hopefully the, the comedy is like in the writing or like the yeah. like the specific character, not in. Um, the, the fact, fact that, that I'm like, I have a penis, and yet <laughs> yeah. here I am pretending to have long hair. It's like, what is, <laughs> you know, like, whoa. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I, I think that's a, a very good distinction between, like, I mean, I, of course, grew up with the same films of other yeah. people my age where it was just the whole joke was it was a man yeah. dressed as a woman. Yeah. And I got into a fight with my, um, uh, classical literature of theater teacher because mm-hmm. he said that American audiences will never be able to accept um, a male actor playing a female character earnestly because there mm-hmm. will always be that joke of it's a right. man in drag. Yeah. And I think we're starting to gravitate away from that. And one of the best examples uh, is probably I've never even watched the show. <laughs> so what? I might be speaking out my ass, but from what I hear, of all people, Louis Anderson in the it, in the show that performance um, is incredible. It's like sentimental. It's is it's that really show called baskets. Baskets, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think you'd like if, it a lot. I've got to try it because yeah. I've heard such wonderful things about. But yeah. who knew it was going to be Louis Anderson? I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it's a beautiful um, performance. And um, I just wish that it wasn't viewed or treated as like, oh, my God, look at like, (gasps) look how surprising it is that a man can do this, like, or how silly it is, you know, and it's like, there's a lot of like queer people that can do a lot of queer things. And um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's a problem in the industry. Sure. I, I think a lot of it is that creators, producers don't give their audiences enough credit. Yeah. You know, they yeah. write characters that are meant to be what we're describing. And then yeah. they then they cast, you know, um, cis, cisgendered pretty boys in the roles yeah. who have no access to those characters. Yeah. And they might deliver a great performance. I'm not knocking, you know... The many multitudes of <laughs> actors out there. Name but, names. Yeah. But I know I'm, and my, I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this podcast, but I know I'm sick of like seeing like drag queens get cast in things to play like a two line cameo. Yeah. yeah. But then a really good drag role is written and then given to a cisgendered pretty boy. They might be, yeah. they might be gay or queer, but it's yeah. typically someone who's, never done drag can't access that mm-hmm. um you know it's not something you can be taught in a morning in the makeup chair right. and you know but they're cast in it because 
the creators assume when that person gets out of drag, the audience is going to want someone who looks like a hot dude when he's yeah. not dressed as a woman. Yeah. That's the frustrating bit. But I, uh, I mean, I also uh, think it's not, um, not that they should be allowed to do that, but like, mm-hmm. we're, we shouldn't, um, I know that I'm not looking to any mainstream shows or movies anymore <laughs> for like, yeah. um, uh, any Guidance. sort of art or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any sort of artistry or like, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I mean, the, the problem is really about like access and resources and like, yeah. um, I think queer people and, and artists should have, access to more resources but i'm not gonna look to uh like you know an nbc (laughs) show for like netflix original (laughs) right for like a for for a story for like an actually good (laughs) anything (laughs) for anything good yeah i you know and we are seeing a rising trend in the stuff that's excelling right now a lot of stuff that's excelling right now is um stuff that was created by collaborators. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. would say you're ahead of the curve there because Jeffrey and Cole Casserole predate shows like um, Broad City or Pen15. Yeah. Or um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I know I brought up in my very last podcast with Perry, Carrie Preston. But you know what? I talk about what I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I love, um, I love all those shows. But I also like... I'm trying to let go of um, needing. I I've always had my own barometer for like mm-hmm. w- like whether or not something I do is good, um, and I don't <laughs> need I don't need it to get like the full like press release treatment from like a mm-hmm. major studio in order yeah. to be like I think that was great and I'm proud of it. Um, yeah. Because that's the only difference between, like, what, you know, queer content creators on YouTube uh, do and, like, what people with, uh, you know, script deals for HBO Max or Netflix do, you know? Like, yeah. It it doesn't make them any better. Distribution. Yeah. We're just talking about distribution. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. also perform live um, Mm -hmm. in the cabaret circuit. Um, Lots of shows at the, you know, the legendary Joe's Pub Mm -hmm. in in New York City, where you also reside. Um, What is a live Cole Escola show like? Desperate, desperate, (laughs) desperate, desperate. Um, I push and try so hard (laughs) to please... Every sec, I don't relax for a second. I am so terrified of anyone having a bad time that I just push and push until no one can stand it and everyone has to go home. That's what I would. That's what I would say. A live show. That's like. your Virgo. That's your Virgo. In you. <laughs> I can definitely relate because I think that's actually my mom and dad. But yeah. <laughs> 
I can relate because I am the type of live performer. I have stopped shows to have a conversation with someone who looks like they're not having a good time to find out why they're not Mm -hmm. having a good time. Maybe it's something going on in their life. Maybe a joke didn't sit well with them. And I, I, this is why I almost no. this is why I always work with a second person on stage because I need someone to bring me back to the show. I'm actually supposed to be doing (laughs) rather than confronting the audience members. (laughs) And saying, why are you crying? <laughs> why are you crying? My favorite example of this, I was doing the Vaudevillians at the Seattle Repertory Theater in um, Seattle, as it mm-hmm. were. And um, front row, Shocking. opening night, there is a fairly old woman just not having a good time. Mm-hmm. And then I asked her if she was having a good time. And she said, eh, it's okay. <laughs> and I said, was this not your choice to come to the show? And she said, oh, I was brought here for my birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, this isn't how you planned your birthday. And she was like, no, not at all. <laughs> wow. that was And that was opening night there. Opening night. It actually yeah. was a great bit in the show. You oh, know, that's I, fun. That's fun. <laughs> the rest of the audience loved me putting that one old lady on blast but uh. great great what's your favorite thing about live performance that you can't get out of the um, men filming the men (laughs) lining up at the door afterwards uh uh i just uh, you know a sense of control even though (laughs) even though it's false but it's you know like if if someone's bored, I can I can if I see someone looking away, I can do something to try and get their attention. Yeah. But if someone's looking away at a video I've made, I you know, it's too late. The video's already made. <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. Um and what's your favorite thing about um working in film and TV that you can't get out of live performance? Um uh, just more people, more eyes on it. Yeah. You know. Or the <laughs> the opportunity for more eyes, even if more people aren't actually watching. <laughs> the the know. globalization of it, the fact that it can the gl- be seen. The globalization <laughs> of my online work is... <laughs> yeah. Something I definitely want to talk to you about is um, you aging. do a lot of original characters. We'll get to aging. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you do a lot of original characters, but you also do some amazing impersonations. <laughs> I am a late in life. I I came to impersonations late in life, and now I I'm obsessed with, you know, perfecting my impersonations. My absolute favorite impersonation that you do is Bernadette Peters, uh. um, which is simultaneously like very authentic to Bernadette Peters. Like you know right away who you're doing, but it also has this level of absurdity that you bring to it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I love to take someone who is like where the expectations are either low or non-existent like <laughs> like w- when someone's like this person's going to do a Bernadette Peters impression you're like what is that going to be <laughs> like well, I'm I guess I'm open like you know yeah my two favorite moments from past uh, Bernadette impressions you've done caught on film. <laughs> one was um, one of your videos with Jeffrey Self, and um, you say this line: 
I haven't seen a film since 1999. Why 99? That's the year I won my Tony. <laughs> Thanks. Wow, I forgot about that one. That's that. It's it lives in my brain rent free, as the kids say. <laughs> also, there's a video. I don't know if it's still on YouTube. I hope it is because I'm gonna direct people to it now. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just called um, Bernadette Peters swinging her arms or Bernadette Peters arm swinging, something like that. Yeah, I think that's. Did I take that? Oh, I I I think that might have gotten taken down Bernadette for copyright. Sent a- a season to <laughs> yeah. I think it was because I used like you know it's uh, the, the song yeah. that I used in it, which is so unfortunate. It was um, amazing because it's just you dressed as Bernadette again, minimal makeup, n- n- none, <laughs> the no perfect makeup. wig. Um, you're wearing a strapless black dress, and you're just um, you're lip syncing to unexpected song, and you just start wildly flailing your arms back and forth. And then I looked up. Different it's performances. Oh, it's still up. I'm getting Our word producer from... Big Dipper says it's still up. <laughs> Go find it, everyone. Um, Cola Scola as Bernadette Peters swinging her arms. I went and looked at all of these. <laughs> there it is. It's wow. so amazing. the The hair is perfect. You're seeing the way you're swinging that microphone. It's a screwdriver it's as so a microphone. Good. Oh, it's a yeah. screwdriver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and looked up all these different. Uh, uh, captures of Bernadette singing that song and your observation was so astute. Every time she gets to the chorus, she starts she, swinging her arms around. <laughs> yeah, it's some weird choreography that she has with that song where she just just flails and, and swings and turns and she's she's a force. She is a force. Mm. Have you ever met Bernadette Peters in person? I've met her, um, I met her once. Um, I was the, um, as every faggot in New York gets to do, <laughs> I was the bartender on Watch What Happens Live on an ah. episode she she was on. Um, some, That's amazing. Some queen that works there, I guess, thought <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hand call um, a little gift. And so I didn't, yeah. I don't watch Watch What Happens Live. But I've been watching the other two and the recurring mm-hmm. joke about every every gay bartender. I mean, I've been yeah. a, uh, I've been a drag queen bartender. Yeah, it's um, it's a hum- <laughs> it's a humiliating rite of passage for every queer performer. Do you think Andy Cohen does that just as like a as a power move to be the alpha gay of all alpha gays? <laughs> I think it's I think it's more um, I think it's sadder than that. I think they I think they really think that they're. They're helping us. <laughs> and in a way, they they probably are, you know? And, and, and I mean, I'm grateful for the times that I've done it. Of course. Me too. Me too. If, if it weren't for Watch... Oh, I'm yeah, not trying to yeah. put words in your mouth. I'm just no. saying. If it weren't for Watch What Happens Live, I would have never met Whoopi Goldberg. And See? Yeah. I thought I was going to pass out. That's yeah. only happened to me twice in my life. When I met Whoopi Goldberg and when I met Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah. I don't know what was going on, but... My vision blurred. Sure. My knees weakened. I thought I was going to completely faint, and that's mm-hmm. those are the only two times that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I mean, I, now I'm Kate, grateful. Now yeah. Kristen and I are old friends. Now I of see. Course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I'm excited for your um two woman show together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's gonna actually play Alpha, but that's the twist. Oh. Um, <laughs> 
Um, what are some other of uh, your favorite impressions that you do? Celebrity impersonations. I don't really have. Um, I'm not really good at uh, impressions. That's why I chose Bernadette <laughs> Peters because I was like, oh, she's almost a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in terms of like what people expect from a Bernadette Peters impression, which is <laughs> almost nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of, I, I, I just don't know that, I, I impersonate her singing voice. I haven't sure. honed in on anything as, as brilliant as you with just, you know, your your work a day, Bernadette Peters. <laughs> it's more of a bastardization than an impression. <laughs> um. Sometimes I, I like to shout as Elaine Stritch <laughs> around. Can I hear a little of that? Yeah, sure. I have to hold the mic far away, though. <laughs> Wrong! That's it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Can you identify things? That imprinted no. on you. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm completely blind. I have, yeah. I've made it this far without anyone knowing that before. I, yeah. Um, can you identify things that imprinted on you when you were younger that led you to be so tickled by the kooky and subversive? <laughs> I think, um, I just think classic movies and mm. soap operas. I used to love Days of Our Lives. Um would run home from school to watch it. I always missed the first, you know, 10 minutes because let's, you know, school let out and I bolted, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just classic movies. Oh, I loved, um, one thing that I miss is um, Sunday, like Sunday night TV movies. Um, I don't think yeah. I ever... What? You say that like <laughs> I remember Saturday morning cartoons, but I don't know that oh. I'm familiar with Sunday night TV movies. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> like the the movie of the week, like uh, like a Sunday night. Like eventually, ABC turned it into like a dis. There was like Disney. Do you remember Toothless with Kirstie Alley? That was like one of the. How could I forget it? Yeah. Okay. But then there were more yes. like on CBS. They did like more adult type. Mm. You know, like like the. Like the TV movie version of Touch by an Angel sort of thing. <laughs> like that sort of genre. I think a common genre. thread here between the things you're talking about is these super stylized, heightened performances. Like in yes. classic movies and in soap operas and in a lot of made-for-TV movies. Yeah. There's a heightened, stylized performance that yes. we are supposed to accept as that's just how humans act. <laughs> and I, I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. It's more um it's it's more fun than real life. Like of it's course it's closer I, to Shakespeare than anything else, really. Uh, yeah, it's so poetic. <laughs> like even if it's bad poetry, it's still like you know, people don't talk like that. And and which is what I love about it. Like there is this one um TV movie that I uh, another thing I miss is like having to watch things when they were on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a like an old crank about that, but like, remember how exciting it was when it was like, oh my god, mommy dearest is on right now, mm-hmm. and like calling my <laughs> friends and being like, turn on channel 17, mommy dearest is on. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, a very good point. It was, it was more 
there was more of a ritual and a ceremony around it when and it was ex- yeah it's a, th- a you thrill could just do it whenever yeah. you want yeah i mean there's goods and bads to of both course sides, of course but, of course but, but i do miss yeah. the yeah we're lucky to be of an age that we remember that because yeah. i i don't know i work with some some 20 year olds these days they just have no idea what it's like to not have <laughs> what you want the moment you want it <laughs> yeah yeah in my day we had to wait we We had had to to wait wait. for mommy dearest we had to sit through commercials (laughs) we had to we got that tv guide every week and we looked through every day's programming to say oh god i hope mommy dearest is on this week we just had to hope that someone at turner classic movies would program it some queen some fucking tcm throw a bitch a bone once in a while exactly Mm. but uh there was one movie uh called it was like the dotty west story starring michelle (laughs) lee dotty west was a country singer who um lived extravagantly and like went bankrupt and then like died in a car accident and um but the TV movie about her life was so on the nose TV movie, like, you know, a little girl in a shack in the woods being like, I'm going to be a big star someday. And, you know, and then she and then she is. And then she is. And, and it's that is. simple. Yeah. It's that. Um, <laughs> I, I have one last thing to address before I give you my closeout questions. Mm-hmm. And that is a quote on Wikipedia that I need you to explain. Okay. It says Escola has a collection. Am I Escola? Escola. Escola. Yeah. Escola. Escola has a collection of 38 wigs, which they store under their bed in 7 Eleven donut boxes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Do you clean out the donut boxes first? Or well, they sprinkles and sugar crust. No, they they are um, empty donut boxes. So. That started because I lived near a 7-Eleven. I'm lucky enough to say that at one point in my life, I lived dangerously close to a 7-Eleven. <laughs> and I went there one day and I I had been looking for somehow to like some way to store my wigs, like Tupperware, like big Rubbermaid containers or storage containers were too mm-hmm. big. And then I saw these little square donut boxes with like a clear, you know, film on top. And I was like, oh, these would be great because I can see inside. You can They're see small inside. enough that I can stack <laughs> um, so I can travel them well. And um, and I, I just said, can I buy these donut boxes from you? And they said, <laughs> they said you can have them. So, yeah. And from those humble beginnings. Those humble beginnings. <laughs> because of um, that kind cashier at 7-Eleven. <laughs> I don't know if plaid pantries are mm. are countrywide sometimes i talk about plaid pantries which are just exactly like 7-elevens mm-hmm. um, i don't know if they're oregon specific or northwest specific and i can't remember if i see them around the country but plaid pantries are just like 7-elevens except every plaid pantry is a nexus to hell it is <laughs> you will go any time of day you mm-hmm. go to a plaid pantry, just the most bizarre, crazy shit yeah. is happening. 
and I live near a plaid pantry. I'm not. Of lucky course enough you do be because you um, <laughs> near a seven. Your bizarre weird shit. <laughs> but I'll go there stone sometimes, and especially in the in the apex of the pandemic, I would go there stoned. And just witness things that I'm like, I can't believe this is happening out in the world right now. <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that other people saw you and thought the same thing? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have to like... remember that nowadays, with my like... eyebrowless bald face and my uh, like the eyeliner I wear on any typical day, my mm-hmm. flaming red hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I saw you Jinx know... <laughs> Monsoon at a plaid pantry. I think. Maybe she was stoned. She was moving so slow. She was just. Yeah. I could barely. I could barely pay attention to the man's pit bull that was eating the, the Frito Lay's right out yeah. of the bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yes, I do think about that sometimes. I I sometimes catch myself kind of like really taking someone else in, and then I'll like. I'll catch their eyes and realize they're doing the same to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm sitting here like, I'm sitting here thinking, what an amazing sight to be seeing right now. But that's what they're thinking about me. And it's Isn't not the beautiful? jinx monsoon of it all. It's just that uh, like, you know, I mean, in my, in my, in my day to day, high heeled Doc Martens, I'm like six, three, mm-hmm. the time, the amount of times I get called ma'am, sir out, it's always a <laughs> ma'am, sir, or a sir, ma'am. Like they say one and then quickly correct themselves to the other one. Cause yeah. they're not sure what they're covering their bases. <laughs> Just in case all of it. <laughs> These are my closeout questions for you. Cola Scola. Mm-hmm. I ask every guest this, you're free to interpret them however you want, but I want to know. Mm-hmm. Who's your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, right now I just have the biggest talent crush on Meg Stalter, and so I uh, like it's but I get that way with people that are and their talent, you know, like I just mm-hmm. want to be around them. Yeah. And giggle. And lay on the floor and let them <laughs> use me. <laughs> I don't often have talent crushes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I do. Mm-hmm. But whenever I hear crush, the first thing my slutty brain goes to is like, who am I? Who am I DTF for? <laughs> um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is anybody for me. Any. <laughs> anybody, really. Anybody. Yeah. I'll just say I do not remember the actor's name. I'm sure Dipper will have it looked up by the time I end this run-on sentence. But I've recently been re-watching Mama's Family, one of my favorite shows of all time. Yes. And I remember being so hot for the actor Bubba? who played Bubba as a yeah. kid. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. Bubba, he was good old so Bubba. hot. So I hot. know. Yeah. Um, Bubba, and you know, the original, um, the, uh, the one who played Buzz, the actor who played Buzz, cause on the first two seasons, okay. Bubba was played by Alan Kayser. Um, the first two seasons of Mama's Family was completely different and then they retooled it because mm-hmm. it had Rue McClanahan and Betty White right. on the first two seasons and then right. they left to do Golden Girls. And when they left, they reformatted the whole show, got rid of Vince Kids. Mm-hmm. Changed Naomi's hair, um, <laughs> brought in Bubba, and brought mm-hmm. in the neighbor Iola. I loved and, um, Iola. Iola is yeah an icon. What a name! Yeah. <laughs> enough, enough about Mama's family. Um, my next question is: Are you spiritual? Yes. 
the end. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, I, uh, I I don't believe I don't believe in God. I consider myself to be an atheist, but mm-hmm. I do uh, feel like in order to um, be because uh, I'm sober, and in order to like mm-hmm. stay like have any sense of um, wanting to live, <laughs> I have to. Um, sort of keep a, a, a sense of, like, gratitude and wonderment about um, the universe, even if it... And, and I mean the universe not in, like, the woo-woo way, but in the, like, science way of, like, yeah. well, oh, my God, what is out there in outer space? Absolutely. Terrifying. And I think a lot of people think you have to be one or the other, like either yeah. woo-woo or science. Yeah. But I yeah. found a lot of intersection between my scientific beliefs and sure. my my woo-woo beliefs and you know i can relate to the fact that um when i stopped drinking mm-hmm. i had a lot more time in my life for witchcraft so i just inherently became more <laughs> spiritual because i'm not hung over all the time yeah so i actually have the energy to wake up and do some things yes yeah. <laughs> and you're still um but you still howl at the moon but now you do it sober. Yeah. Ish. Now I do. Yeah. Now it's a conscious choice. <laughs> a um, <laughs> final, final getting to know you question. What's mm-hmm. your go-to karaoke song? Rose's Churn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to go big or just like, uh, or, or don't, don't bother, you know? It's one of my favorite songs in existence. It's absolutely, it also is, so inappropriate to do at karaoke. It's like because I sort of <laughs> hate karaoke. Single, I've heard every karaoke track of Rose's Turn. There's not a single one that sounds good. No, First of all, just no. the quality of the track itself. The quality of the track, <laughs> the key. It's all. It's always horrible, and um, it either it either like goes over really well, or everyone's like furious at you for turning like. <laughs> A birthday party into a one-person show, <laughs> and do you fully act out the absolutely, the of, yeah, absolutely. You, you commit mama, to those moments of mama, mama, mama. Yeah. mama. You have do to. Do you have a do you have a favorite performance of of Rose Rose's turn? So many legendary actresses. Yeah, have, uh, I mean, this role. Uh, like the the tiny clips. There, there's just like a a really brief clip of Angela Lansbury mm-hmm. doing it in the seventies. And that makes me shiver. Yeah. I love her. But I also, I love Patty. I mm. love, um, I loved Bernadette's Tony performance. Was me that too. Rose's turn? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always go back to, uh, the, the, the Gypsy soundtrack I listened to the most was Bernadette's. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well before Patty did mm-hmm. it. But, um, but I think the best like performance of Rose I've seen is Bette Midler, mm, which was mm-hmm. a made-for-TV movie of Gypsy. Sure, sure. Full circle. Made I just TV. think she is the closest to what the character was written to be probably yeah. since Ethel Merman. But Patti Lapone, obviously. Sure. Really just kind of... And I've heard Imelda Staunton yeah. really, really stakes some claim on that role. I hate her in that role. <laughs> But I have a really good, like, um, my friend um, Michael R. Jackson, who um, wrote A Strange Loop, won the won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, but he <laughs> uh, he loves Imelda as Rose because 
I hate her because I think she's like obnoxious and pathetic and grating. And that's why Michael <laughs> loves her as Rose. I think she's vulgar and I I want to step on her. But he... Well, and he thinks that's why she's great as Rose. So... I don't think... Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard such an... Like, I mean, such a... It's the only opinion, opinion I have. about Imelda Staunton... <laughs> At all, I don't think right. I've. I don't think anyone else in my life has ever made an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I adore her in opinion. Follies. Mm-hmm. Her version of losing my mind might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bombarda Maxima, and that's where I'll end it. Um, Cole, do you have anything to promote? We've talked a lot about the projects you're on. I hope people will go out and watch all the many, many wonderful shows you've been a part of. But what would you like? To, to to say goodbye to our listeners with plug away I, give us your I, social medias i've never i, I don't have i've been, i've been kicked off of twitter um <laughs> but you can follow me on instagram you and Cole trump Scola. <laughs> yeah it was for the same reasons ruining america <laughs> um i was kicked off and then um i have a youtube special called help i'm stuck that i produce myself and it's just me in my apartment it's very low low grade but mm-hmm. If you want to, like, if you're someone who smokes a lot of pot, I think it would be a very soothing, fun thing to have on. <laughs> like when you, it. like when you leave the radio on for your pets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stoners will enjoy. Leave my YouTube special on for your stoner roommate <laughs> while you go out. Yeah, it's been an absolute delight cole thank you so much for joining us today and thank you all so much for listening to hijinks here on the forever dog and moguls of media network my name is jinx monsoon and we have new episodes every wednesday so make sure to search for hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe you can follow me at the jinx that's j-i-n-k-x on instagram or Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And Colascola again is Colascola at Colascola on Instagram. I was talking when you said it the last time, so I'm giving you an extra plug there. <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> I'll see you all next Wednesday for some more. Hi, Jinx! Forever! To Hijinx ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hijinx five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hijinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.